This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Um, over the past several months on this show, the situation surrounding EMS um, in the province of Alberta. We all know that it's been an ongoing issue. We've heard about the red alerts. Uh, you probably heard the story last week in Airdrie, a 10-year-old boy with a broken leg had to be taken to hospital by uh, a fire crew because there was no EMS crews available. Um, it all came to a head yesterday, possibly. A health minister talking about a 10-point plan to try and get a handle on the situation and also a new committee that's being struck to take a look at what's going on and see if we can come up with some long-standing solutions. And joining us to give us an idea of what may be on the way, we're going to chat with Darren Sandbeck. Darren is the AHS EMS Chief Paramedic. Darren, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate your time. Hi, Shay. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we all know that the situation has been really, really tense. It's been dire in some instances. Just give us your assessment of how bad things are in terms of EMS service uh, in the province of Alberta right now? Yeah, so you know, as you mentioned, uh, the EMS system has been under uh, pretty incredible pressure over the last number of months. We've seen a 30% increase in call volume um, all across the province since uh, since about this time um, last year. And so that's, you know, that's created challenges in the environment where it uh, creates pretty substantial increase in demand mm-hmm. um, for the resources that we have available. So um, what we've done is um, move forward with some strategies to try and alleviate that. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. A 10-point plan to try and relieve some of the pressure. Some of them are already underway. Let's just go through them uh, quickly here. Obviously, getting more paramedics on the job would be great. Province says, you know, it's up 9% over the past two years. A lot have been hired. So where are we in terms of hiring more and how many more do we need? We're in a constant hiring cycle, um, Shay. So, you know, we're hiring all the time. And um, we've also opened up some conversations with educational institutions that train paramedics to see, um, to talk to them about increasing their um, output as well. Um, You know, if there are paramedics out there that are underemployed or unemployed and want to be working, um, we certainly want to hear from them um, because, you know, as I said, we're constantly hiring. Um, and the other, a number of the points, if you can put them in a basket, uh, Darren, they all sort of talk to making sure the resource is being used um, as wisely as possible. It takes a look at, you know, transfers in between facilities. Do we need EMS crews doing that? Um, waiting in hospitals, things like that. So just give us an, an overall view of where we are, what you're hoping to do in terms of making sure that the resource is being used as efficiently as possible. Sure. So really, you know, in a nutshell, what what we're trying to do here is to protect EMS resources for the most critical patients. And I think that, you know, you can appreciate we see um, all sorts of calls for service, uh, some of which are for critical life-threatening emergencies, um, some of which are for um, really low-priority events. 
And so really what we've put together is a number of strategies that help us manage um, the the lower priority end of this and, and tools with which to do that so that we can protect the EMS uh, resources and capacity for those truly critical patients that need timely response. So what kind of things, how, what does that look like? Let's give us some examples. I, I was uh, interested to learn that you've stopped responding to motor vehicle collisions where, you know, in some cases, uh, as early as last month, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, that's a great example. Um, and so one of the things that we have done uh, back in early December was we updated the way that we respond to non-injury motor vehicle collisions. So, you know, in this province, we see days where we have freezing rainstorms or other yeah. weather events that cause a, a large number of minor motor vehicle collisions, many, many of which don't result in an injury. So previously, we would send an ambulance um, just to check that out. Now, if our emergency communication officers, through their questioning of the caller, determine that there's no injuries in that event, um, we will not send an EMS um, response automatically. However, you know, if we do determine, um, or if it is determined that there are injuries, we will always respond to those events. One of the points that you mentioned yesterday, transferring low-priority calls to other agencies in consultation with EMS physicians. What, what would those look like and what other agencies might be involved? Sure. So right now we're, um, we're transferring calls to the Poison and Drug Information Service um, where it's appropriate. And what we're working on is developing, again, some of those low-priority events to um, transfer those calls to HealthLink, where nurse advice can be provided um, by the resources that they have in HealthLink. So we're working on um, internal processes to be able to identify callers to 911 who it may be more appropriate for them to receive um, nurse advice and then transfer that call to 811. Okay. That seems to make sense. Um, in terms of the transfers, and I know we that's something that always comes up where we've, uh, we've heard stories about, you know, a truck being used to do inter-facility transfers and things like that, and maybe there's a better way of doing that. There's a pilot project you're hoping to get started in Red Deer, right? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Yes, so there's sort of two initiatives there that you're talking about. So one is managing um, better the non-emergency inter-facility transfer work. So we've got pilot projects running um, right now in Calgary in, um, in a facility and then two facilities in the North Zone where we use an um, algorithm approach or we um, use an approach through questioning to determine um, if, in fact, the patient that needs to be transferred, um, what's the most appropriate way to transfer them? So um, it, it takes through a series of decision points where um, at the bottom of that, the, the patient may actually be able to mo- be moved most appropriately by means other than ambulances. And that could be family members, you know, that could be community um, resources like handy vans or buses. Um, It could mean in some circumstances, taxis um, moving these patients. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one here that uh, I want to ask you about, it says creating um, a new integrated operations centre in Calgary with paramedic and hospital staff to improve flow of patients and resources. Does that deal with the the issue that we've talked about so many times over the years, Darren, of yeah. um, ambulance workers sitting in ERs for hours waiting for that chain of custody transfer where the hospital takes over control of the patient and um, the EM... Uh, EMTs, the paramedics are allowed to get back into the rig and get back to work? Yeah, in short, it does help with that, Shay. Uh, so we currently run an integrated operations centre, an IOC in Edmonton, where we have uh, paramedic supervisors uh, that are present in that centre along with traditional health system leaders. And what they do is they monitor uh, the entire Edmonton zone in real time. So they know what uh, each hospital has in it um, for emergency department patients. They know how many patients are going to be discharged from that hospital. They also know what um, the EMS uh, system is doing and what calls or patients uh, are going to be transported into those facilities. So they help in facility selection of where patients need to be transported to, where um, where it's most appropriate or where you know the emergency department um, work may be a little bit lighter Mm -hmm. Um, they also help in um, in getting those crews um, out of those facilities when the ems system um, demand is rising so they're able to work directly with those facilities and and have them start releasing um, ems crews Um, emergency department offload is still a challenge for us Um, we continue to work on that um, every day um, as recently as conversations late last night and this morning um, but it's really, you know, it's really a system flow um, issue um, in discharging patients from hospital, getting them moved out to appropriate places or back to home. Um, and really what happens is the system backs up into emergency department and then it backs up to us. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the timeline in terms of trying to get some of these projects implemented and evaluated and assessed for permanency? What's, I mean, is there a time frame on some of these? Yeah, so as we said yesterday, a number of these have already started. Yeah. Um, and so it have been underway, actually, for a bit of time now. Some of the new ones that we're starting, as we spoke about the Calgary Integrated Operations Centre, um, that's scheduled to come online um, uh, towards the end of March. And then some of the other changes that we're making in dispatch, specifically that we talked about in ensuring that we're keeping, you know, suburban and rural uh, resources or ambulances in their home communities, uh, that works um, rolling out. Actually, uh, today it has started. Um, and then some of the what we talked about, um, the preempt and divert um, work, where where we're able to move ambulances off of lower priority calls to higher priority calls, um, that's also starting in the coming days. Um, so just on the, the hiring issue, I mean, if the province is saying they've hired, they've increased it by 9% over the past two years. Um, just give me an assessment, your assessment of where we are in terms of the number of paramedics in the province of Alberta. If we've increased it 9% over two years, are we still in a shortage situation? And if we are, why? Um, I think what's really impacting us right now in the, in the staffing, um, realm here, Shay, is uh, what we've seen is a significant increase in sick time and um, and long-term leaves. Um, and, and, you know, we completely understand that. Our, our EMS paramedics are tired. Yeah. The, they've been working really hard in the in the last two years in pandemic and um, you know I think we can appreciate that uh, even the the PPE fatigue that our folks are going through when they're 
donning and doffing uh, PPE multiple times a day. Um, you know, our, our folks are working really hard and they're tired and we understand that. And so some of this is to increase our staffing numbers so that we're able to get those folks, um, um, get, get them uh, recovered from their sick time, get them their vacation that they need to have uh, so that we're able to staff resources. So it's really building staffing capacity into the system so that we're able to, you know, continue to staff our ambulances and give our folks the time off that they need. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate the time.